Hey, PTC family. This is Chris Aldana, the co-host of the PTC cast. I just wanted to give you all a heads up. Unfortunately, the microphone audio was corrupted for this podcast, so we had to use the camera audio, which is of lower quality. It still sounds decent, not as good as the microphone audio, but we had a great 40-minute conversation, so we wanted to make sure that we still made this accessible for whoever would like to listen to it. So this is episode 27 of the PTC cast, and we hope you enjoy. Also, don't forget to go to progressthroughchange.com forward slash fat loss to get your free four easy habits for fat loss guide. It helped me lose over 175 pounds. It has helped Alex's clients lose a whole lot of weight and improve their lifestyle. So go ahead and check that out. It takes only a couple seconds to sign up for it, and then you'll get it in your email for you to download. Again, that's progressthroughchange.com forward slash fat loss. I hope you enjoy this episode. Dude, you know what's crazy is The Rock is like getting close to turning 50. I'm pretty sure he's 49. And he's like in the best shape of his life. Yeah, he looks amazing. Man. That's wild. Yeah. And it always, it makes me wonder too, like, and you know, I'm sure the drugs are part of it as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, what are we, re- are we starting to just learn more about nutrition and diet and exercise and all these things? Because like, you know, you got, you got some top tier bodybuilders that are in like their late 40s and 50s. A, a guy named Phil Klahar is like, I want to say he's like mid forties, almost 50. And he got like second at the Texas pro last year, which is like, a, I mean, a pretty big deal, man. Yeah. Dexter Jackson competed till he was like 48, 49. Like, so I don't know. It seems like we're just learning more about nutrition and stuff, but yeah, the rock has just been like jacked his whole life, but it's like, it's like, he's just getting better with time. Yeah. He's like dialing it in now. Yeah. Or I guess I say that, but I, I haven't looked at his you know, past, but real quick, what's the like prime age for, you know, bodybuilding back in the day? Like you for know, people to guys, be able to win these competitions. Uh, I can, don't quote me on this, but the guys I think used to retire like closer to like their mid thirties. Oh wow. Um, yeah, don't and don't quote me on that. But um, and a lot of the guys today are taking it, you know, a little closer to forty, like a little longer on. Mm-hmm. But um, bodybuilding is one of those weird things, right? Because you need the time to build the muscle, but you still need to be young enough to be lean enough to continue the training to continue the the stress it takes on your body so you have to find this weird like goldilocks zone like you have young guys that you know build a tremendous like an ungodly amount of muscle really quick and then are on the pro stage you know there's a there's a couple of like top six at the olympia right now there's two guys who are like i want to say under 26 27 or like right around that age Mm -hmm. and so you have your genetic freaks like that, but for the most part, it's that weird thing where you have to have the time to build the muscle and then you still have to be young enough to maintain the look and the training and all of that. Oh, so it's not like, you know, you know, in in professional basketball, you hit 30 and you start to slow down a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. some guys are just hitting their stride and bodybuilding at 30. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. What about powerlifting? Are there a lot of like older guys at the gym that you find that are hitting some big numbers? I guess not specifically at my gym because you know we're a bodybuilding gym, not a powerlifting gym at Destination Dallas. I, I mean, I guess I knew a lot of bodybuilders trained out there, but yeah. I guess I always kind of assumed that, like, you know, with it being a um, kind of an old school hardcore training environment, that you would just get people who are interested in that kind of training there. Yeah. So at their last location, um, there was a pretty like there was a lot more powerlifters there. Yeah. But ever since they closed that last location and, you know, moved locations, um, they're like powerlifters has kind of, have kind of just been, you know, leaving here and there, going to powerlifting specific gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, is there like a, what are some specific things you need at a powerlifting gym? Because 
to my knowledge, you need a barbell, a rack, and some plates. And so you could theoretically do it anywhere. And obviously, yeah. you know, you want a specific environment and, you know, different people around depending on who you are. But it seems like you could, I mean, we got people that power lift at any time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say, like, ideally for, like, a minimum standard, you would need a bar with decent knurling mm-hmm. and um, circle plates, not those, you know, hexagon plates or whatever. Yeah, of course. And the reason that's why right. I say that is because, you know, when you deadlift, it'll, like, roll yeah, around. Yeah, for sure. That's a big Yeah. Point. Yeah. Um, you like, just rocking it, like, like you're, a, like, a boat or something. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you get, like, like I, one side and it pops. And exactly. Sure. I remember deadlifting at a, a Texas Family Fitness. Oh, my and God. <laughs> dude, I built a lot of strength. I built yeah. a lot of strength from there, but that was, you know, one that's of the, the main problems. Thing, yeah, is it's, you can't deadlift, right? Yeah. yeah, you set down the bar and it's like all it's crooked and then you're building, you know, imbalances and you may be injured or whatever. I don't know who thought hexagonal plates was a good idea. I don't know. Because They're easy to grab. They're a lot. Or, I, but if a circular uh, one's got a handle on it. Yeah, but, true. But anyway, okay, but anyway, so uh, a, a bar with good knurling, like circular plates, circular like most plates. plates are, yeah, bumper plates, I guess, like at least. But yeah, you don't really need yeah. bumper plates. Um, other than that, like that's it. I mean, I guess obviously dumbbells and you know like you would need benches yeah. a squat rack well i guess that stuff you gotta have good bars too right like you gotta have like a like a texas bar or like a rogue ohio bar or something like that honestly like, you don't even need those um I, that's like getting more specific into powerlifting right. like yeah it would be better to have them but like again you don't need them yeah you know you can train unless unless you're doing you know crazy ass numbers to where um, you know, you don't want to walk it out with the bar going like this, yeah, then yeah, you're not going to need a squat bar. You're not going to need an Ohio bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, beyond that is just, you know, how specific do you want to get, um, with your powerlifting training and the actual meat? Yeah. Cause obviously at the actual meat, they have, you know, kilo plates, um, specific right. bars and specific racks and all of that. Right. And it's going to help, you know, to be able to train with that. Right. But again, you don't really need it. I know that there's a lot of powerlifters. Um, like the ones that actually left Destination Dallas was because, you know, they didn't have the cable place or any of that, which I don't know. I feel like that's kind of silly. Like if that's the only reason, um, especially because those plates cost like a hundred dollars per plate, like, yeah, but you know, if other gyms around the area offer it, then hey, mm-hmm. it's your choice, you know? Well, it's one of those things, too, that to me, it makes sense to practice how you play, but there's certain things like, I, I'm not sure if the, like the specific plates matter that much as far as like having like the kilo olympic plates like you're talking about the ones that are like colorful and they're like actual steel or whatever yeah and they're they're, they're pretty say, thin but they're heavy as all hell yeah i will yeah. say the training differences is pretty drastic really okay. yeah when especially the stronger you get mm-hmm. like on deadlift is it because of the way the load is distributed exactly okay, with iron plates you know them being you know that thick yeah let's say for example you stack eight of those yeah dude you're gonna have some insane whip on the bar yeah but true. with kilo plates the bar serves like there's barely any whip on the right, bar it's all locked in and loaded yeah yeah and so the way that yeah and so the way that you perform the deadlift has to be completely different because if you just go in and try to yank that off the ground it's yeah it's gonna just yeah. pull you forward yeah um you know you have to like pull the slack it's just a different process mm-hmm. yeah when it comes to lifting those yeah weights. that can make sense to me and i think there's like some other things too like um you know having a competition height bench mm-hmm. or like having a you know uh, I can always forget the name of the contraction, but where you don't have to walk out your squat, where you can just stand up and flick it out. How do I? But not? you're, but I mean, yeah. we're sitting here talking about like the big boy numbers, you know. So mm. I'm not sure if that's super critical for general pop, but no, I mean, it, it makes sense to me to to practice the way you play. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be better to practice the way you play, um, especially if you're a competitor, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
just because whenever you get to the meet, if you've been practicing with all of that equipment and all that style for, you know, the past months, years, you're going to perform probably better. Are there any other gyms that you've trained at, like in North Texas, outside of Destination? Yes. Metroflex the Castle. Uh, is that in Arlington? Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Yeah, there's one in, um, I believe, Plano. And that one's pretty cool if you're looking for like a, you know, very, and I don't mean this as like insulting or anything, uh, like a very junkyardy, you know, nasty gym to oh, train. Oh yeah, at. and that's what that's but yeah. that's what a lot of people want. Yeah, know? and that's what it is. Like all the weights or the weights are like rusty, mm-hmm. and it's there's no AC. Yep. There's just one big ass fan, yep. and the environment there is brutal, oh, yeah. dude. It's brutal. Um, it's very old school powerlifting, yeah. like rusted barbells and plates kind of thing. Yeah, man, like you go in there to yeah. work. You go in there to work. I and um, the one at uh, Fort Worth is also really badass. That's a lot more, I guess you could say, like powerlifting specific. Yeah. Um, they have kilo plates. They have power bars. They have, not as down and dirty, though. Uh, it's still a little bit grungy, yeah. um, but definitely not as much as the one in Plano. Yeah. And they have like boxing. They have strongmen. They have yeah. all of that stuff. So yeah. it's really badass. Um, but you know, I love destination Dallas and I'm going to always stay loyal. Oh, to destination for sure. Dallas. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You definitely have some brand loyalty to them for sure. Yeah, man. One thing that, um, I, I've, I've noticed is so, you know, I've, I've trained at three different gyms, trained, meaning, you know, worked and done my business out of them. You know, the first one was pack, which was kind of a, a mom and pop shop. Like, you yeah. know, the environment there was like, really cool. Man. Yeah. And so there, it was cool, a cool community, but it wasn't, you know, there was maybe a couple people powerlifting or bodybuilding or whatever, but for the most part, I would consider it like a general big box gym, yeah. just on a smaller scale, maybe. Whereas, you know, the cell was the next place I trained at, which was a very, which was literally like a metal building, no AC, big fans, like uh, turf flooring, mm-hmm. like metal, rusted plates, that kind of thing. Um, and then now being at any time, which is like, I would basically like a small LA fitness, you yeah. know, it's just a small, like big box gym. Mm-hmm. But, um, I have noticed like it's interesting, right? Because, you know, when I was training at the cell, it was like, you see someone squat 405, it's just another Monday. Mm. But man, if there's more than three plates on a bar at any time fitness, everybody's like, yeah, everybody's yeah, like, man. Man, everybody. And it's like, you know, it, you know, I guess it's like big fish in a small pond kind of uh-huh. thing, but it is interesting, like the differences there and, and how people notice and how people train and, and portray themselves. So, you know, cause it's, it's funny, man, like anytime fitness, you'll have some people who are just like, you know, you have your oddballs out there, you know, they're deadlifting 405 for reps and, and all yeah. these things. Whereas, you know, other people are like sitting on like the ab rotation and just like going to town, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you, it's, I guess it's a little bit more general population, but like me personally, <clears throat> at all the three gyms I've trained at, like, and I guess now for being my house, which is where I've trained for the last year and a half, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. Like it doesn't really make a difference for me, mm-hmm. but I'm not really... You know, I'm not at a point in a powerlifting career where I need specific equipment or a bodybuilding career where I need specific yeah. equipment, you know? So, like, I've been able to make everything I need to work, but I don't know if it ever really, like, made a difference for me personally. I will say, I think one of the, like, most important things when it comes to picking a gym is the environment. Mm-hmm. Be- and the reason why I said it is, like, at a commercial gym, <clears throat> it's kind of weird. Um, or the environment is completely different than a gym like Destination Dallas because right. at a commercial gym... I feel like not a lot of people, there's not a lot of camaraderie there. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, you, you meet one person, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you talk to them here and there. Yeah. Um, but you don't really, there's no actual community. Yeah. And there's, there's no like, you know, let's go like yelling or anything like that. 
there's no like really strong emotional attachment to you know a lot of the people there yeah. and i don't know if that sounds silly or not no, but when you go to a gym like destination dallas that's you know a lot less commercially or right. just <clears throat> any other you know gym like that sorry <clears throat> it's really cool to see how encouraging like everybody mm -hmm. is and you know if you're lifting a pr no matter what it is even if it's 225 on you know a squat or something like that bro there's gonna be people around you like cheering yeah. you on which yeah. is really freaking cool yeah and it's addicting honestly and um it'll it like propels you yeah. to you know your fitness goals and that's like one of the biggest things that i love about uh my gym and yeah why i probably won't ever go to a commercial gym even if you know i stop powerlifting or you know stop doing a specific sport yeah and it, it seems like to me that it really just comes down to the way that you you want to train you know because mm -hmm. there i mean there's there's big box gyms like um like planet fitness is one i like to talk about because people like to dog on it you know ex including myself right because yeah. we got the lump alarm it's a funny joke yeah yeah they, all these silly rules but it's like look man it's it's 10 bucks a month for like a fuck ton of equipment and a lot of different gyms available and i'm pretty sure they're 24 hours now so like Which it's it's a it's a pretty great deal for 10 bucks a month if yeah. you're somebody who's looking to like be healthy develop a little bit of strength like you know, they have dumbbells, they have a Smith machine, like you might not have like an open bar or plates or anything like that. But like in that scenario, like it's a great option. But you know, if you're somebody who's classifies himself as a power lifter, Planet Fitness might not be your place. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, what are you looking for and what do you need? And I think that's kind of, you know, sometimes when people look for gyms, I think it might be like a convenience thing or a price point thing, which, you know, obviously is important to keep in mind, mm -hmm. especially if we're talking about adherence over a long time yes. you know maybe it's easier to get to a gym that's five minutes away versus 20 minutes away but at the same time like it's going to affect the way you train and the way you want to train you know there's how many how many freaking instagram or youtube videos do we see of people getting kicked out of gyms for deadlifting because they're smashing the plates yeah. and they just kind of like barely tapped them you know so i don't know there's it's kind of one of those weird things man where it's like you just have to really feel out the place before you commit to it yeah so yeah, I guess, I guess that's my big thing there. So would you ever, you know, given that being a powerlifter, you just need like a bar, a plate and plates and like a rack, would you ever train like out of a garage space or like by yourself? Honestly, no. Um, if I was doing powerlifting, no. Yeah. Just because, you know, when it gets to a certain, you know, type of or a certain amount of weight, mm -hmm. I just feel a lot more comfortable having spotters. Yeah, and not that only that, sense. yeah, not only that, you know, I've made, um, a lot of friends at you know the gym so yeah. you know it's also you know social space um some days going there obviously not as much on the heavy days but yeah i really do enjoy you know just chilling and talking to people um in between my sets and yeah so yeah i don't, I don't think that i would ever get a home gym yeah honestly yeah and so i think it's a little bit different for me because like you know between monday and thursday i'm at the gym for 40 hours yeah and so like yeah so for me it's like you know, when I'm training at home, I can uh, be by myself and not, um, I don't want to say not have to talk to people because that sounds a little like anti-social. No, yeah, put my head down and kind of do my own thing um, and not have to play the social game or anything like that. And part of it is to have like, I've become a little bit of a brat. Like I want to be able to like do my own supersets and like move the way I want to move and not have to like wait on equipment. Yeah, or, man. You know, and like not that it's like a big deal to ask somebody to work in or anything like that, but it's just the ability to like go at my own pace. And, mm. and I've also found like, man, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, right now, I'm, I changed my split up a little bit. I'm training five days a week, and then I'm doing um, 
two days of cardio and yoga. Nice. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's been nice. But what I've noticed is like, I don't think I would have been able to make that happen if I didn't have a home gym. Mm. Just with the craziness of life, building the business and, and you know, every, every other commitment that you have, like there's something about me being able to like, roll out of bed, grab a cup of coffee, catch my breath, you know, get a drink of water and then get out to the gym. Yeah. You it's know? Like so it's a lot, like, a lot more convenient than having mm-hmm. to drive to another. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And part of it is too, like, I, I like having the dogs out there. I like being mm-hmm. able to just have my own little space and the garage door up and my neighbors probably hate it, but that's okay. So right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, probably not, but yeah. so yeah, no, but I, I, I definitely know what you mean though. Like I, whenever I first started lifting, um, I was, around 16 17 um and it was at pack you know right there in uh, back in prosper and I, I know a big thing that kept me like involved and motivated and <clears throat> uh we'll say committed at the time was just knowing i'm going to see this knowing i'm going to see the same people and at that mm-hmm. time like i had training partners so that was like a big like i don't know it, it's just an extra layer of accountability and i don't even necessarily know if i needed that but it was also like you said that feeling of community like it was exciting to see like it you know there was a social aspect to it as well. There was yeah. like a pushing aspect. It was like, all right, well, if I just did five reps, my gym training partner's going to go for six. And then next set, well, I better do seven. Like, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like you that healthy competition. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so sometimes I definitely miss that. But with anything, man, it's just you get some, you give some, right? It's, mm-hmm. There's there's perks and, and downfalls to each. But I think that, you know, in your case, you know, pushing these crazy powerlifting numbers, like you definitely need like a certain environment and you definitely need like certain training partners and certain parameters around that. But, you know, I mean, have you ever trained with the kilo plates, like outside of competition or anything like that? Yeah, actually, um, this is, this prep was the first time that I actually, you know, trained with kilo plates on squat and deadlift. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's a completely different ball game, man. Um, real quick, to rewind went with the uh, social thing yeah, though, yeah. Um, I will say it's starting to get to the point where it is getting annoying. You know, people will walk up to mm-hmm. me and start coming. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's a little yeah. crappy. Yeah. Um, and it's, and you know, you never, you never say it to like seem like a jerk or, yeah, or no, anything like that. No, but, but when you're trying to focus and mm-hmm. like yesterday, I, I, I don't mind spotting people. Yeah. But yesterday I was doing tricep push downs. Mm-hmm. I got one set in and then I went to go wrap this girl. I spotted her. Then I went to go um, lift off an incline bench with this dude named Johnny. Yeah. I spotted him and then I had to go do a lift off for uh, this dude named Charles. Yeah. Uh, did that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was. Meanwhile, you were supposed to do your second set like three minutes ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. Um, with the kilo plates, though, yeah, like. This this is my first training block that I actually you know committed to the kilo plates instead of just trying it here and mm-hmm. there, and dude, it's been yeah, it's it's really fun, mm-hmm. um, especially on squat. It actually makes the squat easier because there's no whip with the bar. Exactly. Yeah. Um, even with the squat bar, the sixty five or fifty five pound bar, you know when you have seven plus on it. No, I'd say like seven fifty plus on it. And you unrack it aggressively, like it'll be foom, foom, yeah, foom. Yeah. And I remember earlier in this prep, before I started the prep, actually, I put on 850 on the bar and I missed it because when I unracked it, it was like, foom. yeah. And that's also my bad. Like, you know, I forgot how it felt to squat uh, mm-hmm. 850 and, um, you know, I wasn't able to control it, but it took a good, like, imagine holding 850 for 
a good 10 seconds before you squat. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I had to do in order for it to stop moving. You think, and how, it was much, still, you think how much energy you're wasting just trying to get that bar still? Yeah, man, especially yeah. with, you know, knee wraps on. on. Yeah, for sure. Crank. Like you're losing circulation. Yeah, crank to the max. You got the adrenaline. and Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but with the kilo plates, because they're almost, you know, half the size of the iron plates, they barely budge. Yeah. Um, and then with the deadlift, again, you know, you can't just yank it off the ground. You have to almost like pry it off of the ground. Like, is, like slowly? What do you mean? Not slowly, but you have to work with your body, like try to wedge your body into the deadlift and then uh, like explode up. Mm. With uh, the regular plates on deadlift, you can be a little lax when it comes to the wedging and then explode up, but... Yeah. With the kilo plates, it'll pull you forward if you right. try to do some crap like that. Well, it's also <laughs> with, you know, with the regular plates, the weight's so spread out that if the bar is bending and you pull, like, you know, first the inner plates are coming off and then exactly. gradually the outer plates are coming off. And so there's just kind of a, a dissonance. You could, you could do a little cheating. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't even know if I'd call it cheating, but it's just like a different feeling. And again, you know, it may sound like you're splitting hairs, but when you're talking about like that much load or that much oh, intensity, yeah. like the slightest the slightest change can make a difference for sure. Yeah, and um, last week, or the week before last week, I actually wanted to have a little bit more fun, and I put a thick-ass bumper plate on the deadlift bar, like, mm -hmm. uh, for the for the first plate. Yeah. And you could, like, the difference when it came to, you know, the plates, like, slowly lifting off was insane, dude. Really? Yeah, because I was trying to just, like, uh, throw it up like I usually do on yeah. deadlifts, and it wasn't working because, you know, the whip was so much, so yeah. I was like, okay, let me pull the whip out first Take your time, and yeah. then throw the deadlift up in. Dude, it, it was actually really fun, especially seeing the bar like. That's funny. Yeah. Just kind of bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know. There's like, there's definitely different like things that, that come with training like that, that I think a lot of people don't think about that just kind of add up over time. And I mean, that, that goes all the way down to like, you know, the way the machines work, right. Or <clears throat> the cardio options they have available or whatever it may be. So, yeah. Yeah, there's. I, I actually just started using machines too. What are you using? On um, the chest, the chest machine, and then obviously I guess pin uh, loaded or plate loaded. Plate loaded. Oh, nice. Okay. Pin so loaded. Oh yeah, yeah, plate loaded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, just to get them chest supports, you know, <laughs> yeah, all, for sure, all pumped and juicy. Yeah, um, for sure. And then leg press, leg extensions, uh, hamstring curls. Do you know the sissy squat? Yeah. Doing those I ones. love that nice, thing, man. Yeah, they'll blow your quads up, dude. Yeah, dude. And then uh, it's actually really helped with my, I guess, like knee pain. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have any, you know, meniscus pain or anything like that issues, anymore. Yeah. And that was ever since I started doing um, like lighter weight, higher reps with quad work. Yeah. And yeah, it's been a game changer. That's awesome, man. I, I would say that that's probably the biggest thing I miss about training out of the garage is... Uh, I'll say plate loaded machines. That's probably the, the biggest one. You know, I have the cable stack. I have a bar and plates and dumbbells and adjustable bench and, yeah. you know, pretty much everything I could need. But I would say like, I've, I've thought about like trying to clear some space and getting like a hammer strength high row or something like that. Like yeah. it would, it would be a little over the top and pretty unnecessary probably, <laughs> but like those, those are fun for sure. There's an extra level of like, you know, you're on a guided path and like if you can line things up the right way then you can really take a muscle a lot closer to failure than you can on a lot of motions like, you know, that are dumbbell, barbell or cable or, you know, something that takes 
when you have that external stability like you do on a machine, it can be a lot easier to take a muscle closer to failure than, you know, having to be sure that your, you know, your rotator cuff can hang around on your 25 reps of dumbbell press exactly. or something like that, you know. So there is definitely like an extra benefit to using machines in those scenarios. And especially like, you know, someone in your case, like, you know, let's say you're, you're benching all the time. Well, like, you know, your, your shoulders are already getting challenged a lot. You're, mm -hmm. you know, all of the stability around those muscles are getting challenged a lot. So it's like you use those machines as a way to get an extra volume without having to challenge some of those other things. And that's, so, that, that was the exact point because I didn't want to be uh, overly fatigued in the other areas. Right. And I noticed that my chest wasn't getting like as much stimulation as I wanted it to get, mm -hmm. um, especially because I actually took out incline dumbbell bench, bench, bench press, dumbbell bench press. And uh, yeah, so I needed just more stimulus and mm -hmm. that machine worked out perfectly. And it made it to where I didn't have to do more bench press. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I got fatigued, I'd be like rolling my shoulders yeah. and then, you know, potentially injure myself. Yeah. Um, One thing that I will say, um, all machines are not made perfectly. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, not even close to perfectly. And surprisingly, a lot of machines, man, it's like the people who made them just like have never looked in an anatomy textbook or something like that. Like, I mean, there, there's a lot of machines, man, at, at every gym that I've trained at that, like, I, w I wouldn't even, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Like, really? And I, yeah, and I just mean that in a way of, like, I don't think you'd, like, hurt yourself on them, but to me, they're just, uh, they're unoptimal, they're inefficient, like, sometimes the movement pattern just, like, doesn't make any sense at all. Uh -huh. And, you know, like, uh, like uh, have you ever seen, like, a hack squat where instead of being upright and the pad being on your shoulders, okay. you're leaned forward and your hips are kind of locked in? Ooh. Like, yeah, so that just, just sounds painful. I don't know, man. Sometimes, like, they, I don't think you can just, like, go around to each machine and just hit them all. Like, that's yeah. some people's approach, you know, is it's like, let me just hit every machine. And, and it's if like, it hurts, whatever. I, hurts. I guess you could, man, but, like, you're not guaranteed, like, safety or comfort on a machine or anything like that. Like, I would say, you know, if you're approaching it the wrong way, you might even be more likely to hurt yourself because you're stuck in a fixed range of motion that you might not be made for. Yeah. So and that, that's a that's another big piece with machines that I think is overlooked. Like they're definitely not made equally or perfectly. You know. I remember at a Texas Family Fitness, there was a shoulder press machine that was locked into, or for me, a shitty position. Mm -hmm. But because my bench was going up, I was like, "This is the my shoulder press guy." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I just gotta keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and then I started messing up my rotator cuff, mm -hmm. um, and it put me it put me back months. Yeah. When it came to my bench. Yeah, because you just you weren't made for it, man. And so I don't know. There's a lot of things like that that we can try to like force ourselves into, but sometimes like, dude, it's not you. It's just the machine is shit, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. But mm -hmm. it's like, again, there's a lot of things that I just wouldn't, I wouldn't touch. So I don't know. Sometimes people put a little bit too much stock into machines. So I really think like the name of the game is, okay, let's say we're talking about training chest, right? And we'll yeah. talk about like a dumbbell bench press here, right? Well, in my opinion, if you can get it to the point where you feel almost nothing but your pecs in a dumbbell bench press, meaning you've refined your form to what works best for you, which is going to be, you know, scapular retraction, being sure that your elbows are driving out and in and kind of an arcing pattern. But depending on who you are, that's going to be varying levels of like abduction or adduction. So how deep your elbows are flared out or tucked in. But like if you can learn how to make that free weight movement work, it's going to be a lot easier for you to lock yourself into a machine because you've understood how that muscle works the best for you, right? So it's like, okay, you know that if you're training pecs, well, you need to have a little bit of an arch. Well, if you go over to the machine chest press and you try to put your lower back down nice and flat, then you might just get nothing but front down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and you can like, usually you like feel those, mm -hmm. like feel the differences. Yeah. And so you just unconsciously, or not unconsciously, you can 
put yourself in the right position right, exactly. um, without knowing yeah. exactly what that right yeah, position exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, machines are machines are fun, but like, in my opinion, I don't even want to call it a prerequisite, but it's like, look, if you can perfectly execute a bodyweight squat, your ability to execute a hack squat is going to be way better, Yeah. right? Because you, you have, you can do it without the stability, so the stability becomes not necessarily a crutch, but a, an extra... Ah, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's not a crutch that you rely on. It's just something that helps you stay a bit more in line. Mm. Does that make sense? It does make does that, sense. Yeah, because yeah, because, because if you were to be doing squat, you could you know start messing up your right. form and not get that volume that you wanted to get. But now that you know you know how it's supposed to feel, mm-hmm. how the form is supposed to be, sure. once you go to the hack squat, since you're locked in. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, theoretically yeah, be able to do but more. you had to know how to squat first, right? Exactly, if you yeah. just hop on that bitch and suddenly your knees are caving in and your feet are turned out all weird and you're, you know, bending and extending your spine uh-huh. through it, like, just because you're on a machine doesn't mean it's going to move perfectly. Like, yeah. how many times do you watch someone on, like, a machine preacher curl and then, like, they get into extension and their shoulders shrug to their ears yeah. and they curl up and then they're, like, leaning back <laughs> and it's just, yeah, man, it's like a, a machine is not going to save you, mm-hmm. you know? It's a good tool to have in your belt and something that you can add in, but I, I really feel like you have to learn the prerequisites, man. So I will say, I think machines are best and only the ones that are made well, but I think machines are best for back training because a lot of the times the bottleneck in back training is someone's ability to stabilize their spine yeah. and stabilize their pelvis, whether that's like a bent over row or even like a wall row or, or even like a one arm dumbbell row. Like a lot of the times that becomes a limiting factor, mm-hmm. which obviously you want to get a hang and a hold on. But like whenever I'm just trying to teach someone like how to engage their scapula and how to drive their elbow out or drive their elbow in or, you, you know, any of those things, it's like, uh, let's put you here first. So that way you can figure out this isolated movement. Then later we can pull it back and go into something where we're worried a little bit more about stabilizing your spine. Mm. Right. So that's maybe a reverse order of operations there. So I guess, you know, maybe you could look at it in two different paths, but like, in my opinion, you can't rely on the machine. The machine can't be like the only way you can train something. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I really, I, I never thought about, um, you know, thought about back training like that, but that's exactly what I do with my back training because I don't want, you know, the lower part of my back to be giving out before the upper um, gets what it needs right. to get. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and if I'm your bottleneck. Yeah, like imagine me doing you know shit ton of sets with bent over rows right. in order to do my or retraction. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why not just you know get on something to take all of this and not only that the whole lower part of my body right. out of the equation. And in this space case specific scenario, you're someone who's squatting and deadlifting twice a week. Yeah, right. Exactly. So your lower back is already toasted always. Your glutes are already toasted already are already toasted always. So it's yeah, like, exactly that's when you can incorporate some of those machines, but you could do a barbell row to train your back if you needed to. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't even, I don't even want to say if you needed to, like you would have to, but I mean, if you needed to, as in you could, you could execute it. You know what I mean? You could, yes. you could yes. stabilize your spine, your hips, your upper back, all of this musculature to hold yourself in position while you row. Mm-hmm. So you have that skill already because you have to have that skill if you go over to a machine row and you can't do those things as it is, well then what's to say you're not just bending and extending your spine through the row? Exactly. What's to say you're not shrugging up and down instead of shrugging forward and back? You have to know how your body works before. Yeah, you have to be able to execute it before. So it's it's definitely a good tool to have under your belt, but you, you you can't lean on it, man. You can't rely on it. Like if your leg training is nothing but machines, you're gonna have shitty stability, man. Like that is like that. You know what I mean? So there's, 
And that's, that's a common bro mistake, right? It's like, okay, I'm gonna hit like two sets of leg extensions, two sets of curls and one set of leg press and that's all I'm doing for legs. And it's like, well, that's, that's probably not gonna cut it. Like, what about, what about the stability component? You know, what about your calves? What about X, Y, and Z? So I don't know, I don't wanna like break it down and say like this percentage should be free weights and this percentage should be machines. It's all gonna be case specific, but it's like, you know, do you think it's a good idea uh, to at least have one compound movement in you know each of your workouts to start with? Because I think that that's a pretty decent rule to follow. To start with, not necessarily. To okay. build as much muscle as possible, probably. Um, so, for example, what I like to do, <clears throat> particularly like in my leg training, is I always start with some sort of unilateral move, which is usually going to be like a lunge or a split squat, and that's okay. just to wake up everything around hips, knees, and ankles. Right? Yeah, yeah. Whether that's adductors, glute med, um, you know, stuff in around and around the calves and ankles, you know, different things like that to prep that musculature. And whether you want to take that exercise to failure or close to failure is <clears throat> kind of up for debate. But I always like if somebody random off the street asked me what they should do before they barbell back squat. I would say dead bugs and walking lunges. 100%. You know yeah. I mean? And if, and usually if someone says they start their training session with a compound movement and no other sort of prep beforehand, that's like the first thing I'm going to change Yeah, is like, okay, we at least got to be doing like some light prep stuff to turn on these. I'm going to say turn on, which is probably a bro phrase, but I'm going to say turn on these stabilizing muscles. We have to learn how to move in these patterns and then we're going to go. Yeah. I, I guess I worded that wrong. Yeah. Um, because that's exactly what I do yeah. before I do any of those, any of my compound mm -hmm. movements, bench, squat, or deadlift, I at least have like 15 to 20 minutes of, I guess, like activating the muscles yeah. that need to be activated so that I can actually perform the compound lift properly. Right. Or else, you know, I could be not warmed up. Um, I could get injured and right. I could definitely get injured. Like, I don't, I don't mean to say that as like something, um, to just brush over like scare people or anything yeah. yeah yeah like if i just hop straight into a squat without doing you know my rollouts mm -hmm. um my creams my body weight squats um and a, yeah, a few other things stuff. band work yeah, yeah like i'm not gonna be as prepared yeah as man. Out of, i could be out of all the <laughs> i'm gonna say scary things i see in the gym the thing that scares me the most is when people just walk into the gym and load on their starting weight cold yeah, that's dude. what scares me the most, man. Is like, I mean, the amount of times I see someone walk straight to a bench and throw on at least one thirty-five scares me. Yeah, and I just, and I mean that from a standpoint of like, yeah, okay, sure. There's great power lifters and all these people out there that could probably do a cold. You and I could probably do a cold, sure. But like, but if we're sitting here talking, no, no, no. And yeah. it's like, it's like, why would you, why would you not prepare yourself for that? Why would you not work up to that? Why would you not? prep the joints around it. Why would you not yeah. prep your nervous system around it, man? Like yeah. if you, like if you look, man, like let's say I'm warming up and I'm trying to do 315 on deads. Let's say I want to do 315 for 10, right? I need to take a set at 225, at 275, maybe even at 295, right? To prep my nervous system, mm -hmm. prep my joints, tendons, and ligaments to be ready to move that weight. So that way when I hit that 315, I can just fucking hit it and go. Exactly. You know, and some people can go 135, 225, 315. And that's fine. Like that's a smaller, I would say maybe that's a bit of a regression, but it's, it's kind of walking this fine line as far as um, starting your training with you want to prep yourself and gradually warm up without tiring yourself out right yeah like if i'm going for, like if my big set for that day is supposed to be 315 for 10 well then i'm not i'm not going to do 295 for five or something like that like i'm not my goal is not to like pre-fatigue myself mm -hmm. my goal is to get everything turned on prepped and ready yeah right yeah i mean to put it to put it even in like more perspective 
the dude that I bench with, his name is Johnny. He's, I would bet that he's a 600 pound bencher. Um, he, you know, he did five, uh, 65 for an easy two reps. Wow. And he always starts off with band work. Yeah. He always moves his stuff around. Yeah. And not only that, he never starts off with 135 on the bar. He starts off with the bar. Yeah. And sometimes he'll do that for two sets, mm -hmm. you know, and it's funny whenever somebody's like waiting for a, I don't know why I did that, waiting for a, a squat bar that I'm using or a bench that I'm using or, you know, a deadlift platform that I'm using, I always tell them, you know, hey, do you want to start off with the bar? And they're like, no, 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 leave 135 on. Yeah. And they, you know, right. a lot of them, you can see that they take it as like an insult. And I'm like, you know, I tell them, hey, like, hey, I start off, I, yeah, I start off with the bar. Like, I think it's a good idea, you know, yeah. to get that blood flow. And they always say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's yeah. let's take it off. Yeah, I think some people maybe just don't think about it. Or they're in a rush and they're like, what can I cut out? I can cut out my warm up stuff or I can cut out my prep stuff. And yeah, true. I don't know. If you ask me, like, it's well worth taking the three to five minutes that an extra warm up set or two takes. I mean, just for sake of making sure your top set is... I mean, and let's say you don't care about the safety, right? Like, let's say you're sure you're not going to get hurt and your form's perfect and, and whatever. Okay, that's fine. Well, you're going to be more efficient if you've prepped your nervous system for those heavier loads, man. Like, you're going to be way more efficient if you take your time getting ready for those things and asking a little bit more gradually yeah. than trying to just jump right into it. You know, you can't just, uh, there's not many people who can just turn it on like that. Yeah, and that's like one of the most important things with the warm-up sets is you're able to like audit yourself. Mm -hmm. You're able to, you know, see, oh wait, this didn't feel right. Why didn't it feel right? Because of this. Okay, on my next warm-up, I need yeah. to do this. Yeah. And then, so by the time you are at that top set, like you said, you're going to be way more efficient mm -hmm. when moving it. 100%. And I know for me too, like, man, part of it is, um, let's say confidence and practice, right? Like, uh, the golf swing is like my favorite example to use. Like each exercise is its own golf swing, man. And when I mean that, what I'm saying is like every exercise is a, a certain routine of um, musculature firing, right? In a certain way every time. And theoretically, if you're trying to build muscle or move as much weight as possible, whatever that means, you're trying to do that same thing the same way every time. Mm. So why would you not take practice reps? Yeah. Know? Like I guarantee you, LeBron shoots a couple free throws before he goes right into a game. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? It's that same idea. It's like, get some practice under your belt, man. Like, do a couple reps. Like, be sure it feels good. Be sure everything's good. And then hop into it. And that'll build that confidence. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, 100%. And it's like, it, part of it, too, is like the perfect practice makes perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you can practice, you know, your 135 with perfect technique and then your 225 with perfect technique and then your 315 with perfect technique, like... Whenever you get there, it's going to be a lot easier to maintain that versus just like, all right, I'm just going to pick this up and we'll see how it moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I know what you mean all too well. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're all guilty of just going in there and thinking we can grip it and rip it. And, yeah. you know, I'd be lying if sometimes I say, okay, like if I'm racking a client's weight or something and we don't have the deadlift jack, like I might just pick up 225 real quick just to rack it. But it's not like it's anything, you know, crazy or over the top. But mm -hmm. all that to say, like, it really is worth a couple of minutes just to get yourself ready and, and willing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my two cents there. I like it. Same yeah. here. Let's put a lid on it. Thank yeah. you all for listening. I appreciate it.